Hi there and a very warm welcome for the first time in 2023 to Bergos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and it's my pleasure to welcome you for the first time this year. And of course, I want to start the episode by wishing you all a very happy, healthy and of course successful new year. Same to you actually, Dennis. This is my guest today, Dennis König. Hi there, Dennis. Hi Aurelia. I hope that you started the year with a bang, Dennis. Um, today we're here to in a way, already look ahead on to 2023. We're coming out of a, well, I think I'm not overstating, difficult <laughs> year for equity markets. And we're heading into 2023 with, you know, thoughts of recession in the US and Europe sort of in the back of our heads. So you and I decided to take a look today at an equity segment for which you still see promises in 2023. So I am, of course, extremely curious to hear a bit more about that. Absolutely right. 2023 will be a rather difficult year from a macroeconomic perspective. So in the US, we expect GDP to decline by 0.2%, in Europe by 0.8%. So accordingly, we are looking for segments and equities that have yeah, several characteristics, such as high quality products. We are looking for strong brands with strong margins and strong um, yeah, market entry barriers and companies with yeah, stable organic sales growth. And one segment that meets these criteria is the luxury segment. And that's interesting because luxury is considered by many market participants to be cyclical. And we tend to disagree on this point. Hmm. Why? <laughs> because actually, if you look in the past, during the last 20 years, the sector has been able to increase sales in every single year with only two exceptions. So in 2009, we saw a decline by 4% um, as a result of the financial crisis, which is still quite modest. And in 2020, we've seen a decline of 17%. But that was a result of lockdowns and was caught up pretty quickly afterwards again. Mm. Yeah, of course. Now, it has to be said that while the demand for luxury goods has been exceptionally stable over the past two decades, the drivers of that demand have not. So it's worth looking back a bit to clear up some, yeah, let's say, preconceptions about the sector. There was a period was between 2009 and 2014 um, when the lion's share of sales growth was generated by entering the Chinese market by several brands. And that slowed down significantly between 2014 and 16 after the Chinese government launched an anti-corruption campaign. Hmm. So until the pandemic, the segment then grew primarily through new products and correspondingly increasing volumes. And now, after? Now, after the pandemic, we see mainly strong price increases as growth, growth drivers, for example, by leading brands such as Chanel, Dior, Louis Vuitton and Rolex. Mm. Um, but that's interesting because um, the price increases of the big companies actually enable also smaller companies um, to increase their prices without actually losing volume. So, for example, we haven't seen any single company reporting declining volumes um, related to price increases. And in 2023, we see this trend clearly continuing, especially in markets where currencies have depreciated significantly against the US dollar, for example, Europe, the UK and Japan. But we're also seeing more focus on the product mix. And um, we see this as one of two key growth drivers for the next two years. For example, we've been observing for some time that many companies are moving towards offering variations of the traditional products at a higher selling price. And these can be other types of leather, for example, or seasonal variations. For instance, the price of a handbag then can rise from 1,500 euros to over 2,000 euros. 
And in addition, the market was originally relatively narrowly defined. Um, so luxury was basically only leather goods, watches, jewelry, and shoes. And in the meantime, however, we see new segments such as streetwear, beauty, home decoration, even pet accessories and fitness. <laughs> and if you include these new areas, we come relatively quickly to a doubling of the market potential. Dennis, you had mentioned two major drivers. What's the second? Yes, another important driver for the future is the next generation. Mm. That's something which is also very close to our hearts as a bank. And we can observe a growing share of young customers among luxury companies. The interesting thing, though, is that some market players are taking a rather negative view of this because these customers generally have, yeah, let's say, comparatively little purchasing power. However, one has to say that although these smaller customers account for 35% of, of the number of customers, they only contribute 9% to total sales. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we see the risk really as manageable that in times of economic stress, serious pressure will come from these, let's say, smaller customers on the overall sales development. Because indeed, 40% of revenue comes from the heavy spenders who are less affected by a recession or inflationary pressures. Mm -hmm. So we see the high number of smaller customers more as an evidence that the companies enjoy increasing cultural relevance among young customers. And in our view, this can serve as a foundation for developing this customer group into heavy spenders in the long term as their income increases. Okay, Dennis, but I mean that the current generation is followed by a next generation, younger people, whatever you want to call it. That's, of course... You know, that's nothing new, <laughs> but are companies, are luxury companies just catching up on that? And I mean, how are they, how are they doing it? Yeah, this development is clearly supported by social media platforms. So luxury companies were extremely late in recognizing this opportunity, but then they caught up and now they're really heavily investing there. So they present themselves through collaborations, designers and ambassadors. So social media is a huge growth opportunity for luxury brands. But on the other hand, um, luxury brands are also increasingly represented in the music industry. And mm. As an example, you can look up um, the top 100 songs. Um, for example, in, in 2020, there were 817 mentions of luxury brands compared to 123 in the year 2000. Now, let's make an example, even though usually we don't make music recommendations here on this podcast, but maybe we can make an exception. So <laughs> <Of course. laughs> for example, you can listen to Beyonce's most successful album, Love from 2003, and you won't find a single mention of a luxury brand. On the other hand, if you listen to the album Renaissance from 2022, there are already 22 mentions. <laughs> okay. So to summarize it, um, our assessment can really be described as follows. So we are convinced um, of the segment's long-term growth prospects. We really like the quality of the underlying products and business models. And we actually consider concerns about slowing earnings growth and therefore also the valuation correction that has occurred in 2022 to be really exaggerated by the market. And um, another chance, which is really not our base case, but it might be a catalyst. So we definitely see additional opportunities for the segment should we see a sustained shift away from the zero COVID policy in China. Wow, Dennis, thank you so much. I think any, I mean, I learned a lot, but any episode where I learn new facts about Beyonce is enriching. So thank you very much for that. No joking aside, Dennis, it was very insightful. Thank you very much for sharing this today. Thank you, Aurelia. And we thank you, as always, for listening. 
Let me end this episode again by wishing you a beautiful new year and of course a pleasant and successful weekend and week ahead. We will be back with more from Bergers Now next Friday. Until then, bye bye.